Gracious God, I pray now that as we turn our attention to your scripture, that you would give us ears and hearts ready to respond to what you have to say to us. God, I pray that if I say anything that isn't from you, that those words would quickly be forgotten. We pray these things through Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Hello, good morning. Much better. My name is Mike. I'm one of the priests here at Truro, and I'd like to invite you this morning, if you brought a Bible, to open to Matthew chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, good news, there should be Bibles in your pews. I think it's about, uh, well, I, I found out this morning over in the chapel that sometimes the page numbers in the pew Bibles aren't always the same, that there's two versions of pew Bibles, a big letter version and a small letter version, and the one that I looked at, it was page 807, but Matthew chapter 2. Or, of course, if you have a smartphone, Google will take you there just as quickly. We're going to spend some time this morning as we celebrate Epiphany talking about the wise men and their journey towards and to Jesus. Now, there's a pattern to the Christian life and Christian worship that you begin to see everywhere once you know to look for it. It's a pattern that's repeated over and over again in our Sunday morning liturgy, our worshiping life together. It's repeated over and over again in the stories we read in the Bible. And if we pay attention, it's repeated over and over again in our own lives. It's a simple pattern, as simple as can be, but it's as important as just about anything else. And it goes like this. God initiates and we respond. God acts and we respond. God speaks and we listen and obey. God calls, we answer. God invites and we follow. That's why in our worshiping life, the cross comes in first. God acts, we respond. It matters that God always makes the first move and that we recognize that he makes the first move. And friends, God always makes the first move. We can see that right here in Matthew chapter 2. The wise men, they come looking for Jesus. And why did they come looking for Jesus? Because they saw his star when it rose. God acts, revealing himself in a star, pointing the way to Jesus, the promised Messiah. God initiates. He moves first. That's a big part of what Jamie invited us to recognize last week as we head into a new year. God making the first move in Christ. He invited us to start the new year by gazing on Jesus. To be found fully in him. The one who is the light. The one who seeks us out. The one who pursues us. The one who initiates and invites. This week, we're going to spend some time thinking about the second half of the God-initiated rhythm of our life. That is our response to God. So here's the question I'd like to begin by asking this morning. In 2023, this new year we've just begun, how will you respond to God? In 2023, how will you respond to God? How we respond to God matters The truth is, it's one of the few things in life that we actually control. And whether one responds well to God or poorly to God has implications. But before we go further, first a caveat, all right? What we won't find in this text is the list of things to do, 
There's no nine steps to a better life with God. I'm not interested in that. What we will primarily see, however, is positive and negative examples of posture, okay? So when I ask, how will you respond to God in 2023? What I mean is this. What sort of posture will you take in response to God in 2023? Does that make sense? Yes? Good. Now, there's a million ways, both positive and negative, that one might respond to God in the new year. So to keep things simple this morning, here's what we're going to do. I am just so fascinated by the contrast in Matthew 2 between the wise men, who we traditionally call kings, and Herod, the king of the Jews, interestingly enough. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go line by line through the 12 verses in Matthew that tell us about the wise men and about Herod and about their responses to the good news of Messiah. And we're going to see how the wise men respond to God on the one hand, how they respond to the good news of the Messiah. Likewise, we're going to take a look at Herod and how he responds to God and to the good news of the Messiah. And then, as we go, we'll think about how we might respond to God and the good news of the Messiah in the coming year. My hope is that you might get a better sense of the sort of posture of response that pleases God and that there might be one or two things that jump out at you that might inform how you prioritize your response to God in 2023 this year. So let's dive in. Look with me. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. First, and this is where it all begins, the wise men engage with God attentively. You see that they're paying attention They're clearly looking for God. They saw the star of the king of the Jews when it rose. Jesus himself will go on to say, seek and you shall find. And yet so often we fail to pay attention. We're so distracted. We're so busy when we ought to look for ways God might be speaking to us or how he might be at work around us. Not so the wise men, however. The wise men are looking. They're paying attention. And so when God initiates, they're prepared to respond. Now, pay attention to this. They respond to God intentionally. They respond to God purposefully. They they see the sign that God gives them. And they respond specifically by seeking Jesus. They say, we've come looking for the king of the Jews. We see that right there in verse 2. There's no wandering, none of this vague seeking sometimes people talk about. There's not a, a haphazard looking. There's a very specific focus, an intentionality, a, a purpose to their seeking. They are looking for Jesus. Friends, this year... Respond to God. Seek God purposefully, intentionally, by looking for Jesus. No haphazard wandering, but an intentional, purposeful focus. Seeking the living Son of God. And then we're introduced to Herod, the king of the Jews who was not 
the Messiah. And he enters the scene here in verse 3. They told him, uh, let's see, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. The wise men are going to continue to provide positive examples of how he might respond to God in the new year. Likewise, Herod's going to provide some examples of how not to respond to God in the new year. First, we see this right off the bat. Herod responds fearfully. He's troubled, the text tells us. And if we're honest, it makes sense. I might be troubled if I was Herod too. After all, he has a tenuous position as quote-unquote king of the Jews. In reality, he's not much more than a Roman puppet, albeit a puppet with some real power and plenty of wealth. But it makes sense that he might be afraid of what a Messiah might mean for him, for his power, his role, his autonomy. And that's not even taking into account what his Roman overlords might think about another king of the Jews on the scene. It's such a human response, fear, isn't it? To respond to God that way. We're afraid of what following God might cost us or mean for our own autonomy. Ah, oh, but friends, let's not respond to God this year out of fear, as if God's economy works the same way ours does. If God really is God, and he really does love us, then surely there is nothing to fear. He's got us. Herod responds fearfully, but he also responds ignorantly. You see that? He doesn't know much about the Messiah at all. He doesn't really know anything about the signs. He doesn't know anything about the prophecy that Jesse just read to us in Isaiah. He hasn't been paying attention. The wise men, they've been attentive. Herod, not so much. Even more than the ignorance, though, Herod's response speaks to his apathy. It's not just that he doesn't know, it's that he doesn't really care. He hasn't been all that interested. Couldn't be bothered at all until now, and only because it personally affects him. Now, now, all of a sudden, now, he's got some questions. Well, really only one. It's not even uh, a particularly good question. It's still the question of a fearful one. He doesn't want to know what the Messiah will be like or what the promises mean. He doesn't want to know where the Messiah is so that he can go. He just wants to know where he'll be born so that he can take care of a threat. Friends, don't let your response to God this year be marked by apathy or vague interest when it's convenient or immediate. The chief priests respond to Herod in verse 5. This is what they say. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, that's where he'll be born, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. We're talking about how the wise men and Herod respond to God's initiation, and Herod, he's got quite an opportunity here. It's understandable that he would initially respond to news about another king of the Jews with fear. His ignorance also, it's understandable. After all, most of us lack curiosity about all sorts of things, even the things of God. But now he's got another opportunity. He's confronted with what is to him, at least, new information. There's an opportunity for him to respond 
at the very least, with curiosity. Instead, we get this. Herod, verse 7, summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, it sounds all right on the surface, doesn't it? But I think there's a warning here for us. Certainly, there is for me. The way that Herod responds to the good news of the Messiah is a response that's far too common in us. First, he responds passively. Do you see that? He's happy to let somebody else do the seeking for him. To let the wise men put in the time to go on the journey. He sent them, Matthew tells us. He can't be bothered to do any of the work himself. He isn't interested in going himself to Bethlehem. Instead, he expects them to do the work. I'm sure he had plenty of excuses. After all, he was a king. I'm sure he was very busy with lots of very important things to do. And oh, isn't this such a common response to God? Rather than seeking him ourselves, rather than putting in the work, we expect somebody else to do it for us. Far too often when it comes to life with God, we too are passive and busy and can't be bothered. Oh, we might show up here or there. We might ask a question or two. might go through the motions of active interest. But more often than not, we're too busy or distracted to be bothered. Friends, don't let 2023 be a year of spiritual passivity. Not only is Herod's response to God passive, it's also primarily self-interested. I mean, he, he claims to want to worship in verse 8. That's what he said. But you don't have to skip ahead very much in the story to know that he's not actually interested in worship at all, but self-preservation. Later in the chapter, after Joseph, Mary, and Jesus flee Nazareth, Herod kills any child in the region who could be the promised Messiah. And while his response in the end is shocking to us today, and certainly it's on a different scale than we might respond to God, the underlying posture is one that we are all too familiar with. It's self-interest. We seek God when it's convenient or when we feel like we might need something we do it for our sake rather than for his sake. I wonder what 2023 could look like for you and for your relationship with God if you sought him for his sake rather than for your own. How might things change for you in this next year? Now this fearful passive, self-interested seeking is in sharp contrast to the posture of the wise men, isn't it? Look with me here at verse 9. After listening to the king, the wise men went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The wise men are so persistent in their seeking. They're so persistent in their response They've already traveled a long way. But 
The scholars tell us they probably have been, came from in Persia, somewhere in the Middle East. They've walked hundreds of miles. Maybe they had camels. Either way, it would have taken them months. They made it to Jerusalem finally. And now they still have further to go, and yet they go. They're not deterred by the requirements of the journey, like Herod. They're not deterred by how far they might have to travel. They're not deterred by what it might cost them. They keep following. They keep looking. They keep seeking day after day. A seeking marked by persistence. And they're getting close. Look with me, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They see the star again. They know they're getting close. And their response here, once again, upon seeing the star, it's, it's one of joy. It's delightful expectation. Now, if you look at the text, Matthew uses a bit of repetition here. Maybe you've heard me say this before. Anytime in the Bible you see a, a, a repetition, we ought to pay attention. And Matthew repeats himself just a bit, doesn't he? Not just one time, not just two times, but they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Matthew wants us to know that they're responding to God's initiation again with excitement. They, they're so excited. They're filled to the brim and beyond with joyful expectation. It's overflowing. And what a good and right way to respond to a good and loving God with joyful expectation. They haven't even arrived yet. They don't even know what they're going to experience when they get there. They just know God's revealed himself to them again a little bit more. And they're overwhelmed with joy. Their response isn't marked by fear or worry, but with an abundance of joy because they know God is up to something. And here's the something. They've finally gotten there, verse 11. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. We talked about the pattern earlier. God acts and we respond. Do you see that pattern at work here? God shows himself. He gives them a star and the wise men respond by going. They arrive in Jerusalem where God has given uh, a, a scripture to his people. It's going to be Bethlehem. And unlike Herod, who had an opportunity to respond there, they go again. And they see a star. And they continue on their journey. And now, finally, they've arrived. They have this face-to-face -face encounter with the child of Jesus. God has revealed himself to them in his incarnate son. And they respond again. You see how they respond? They respond worshipfully. They begin their seeking with an intent to worship. We see that back in verse 2. And here, having finally encountered the Messiah, it's how they respond in worship. Matthew doesn't tell us how they worship him, except by describing their posture. They fall down and worship. 
It's, it's physical, their worship. There's an outward expression of their bodies that matches the inward posture of their hearts. There's an integrity to it and, hum, and a humility to it. These wise men fall at the feet of a little child in what must have been a little hut in the middle of nowhere. Their expectation, that which they've been seeking over the course of a long, long journey, finally is manifest And worship is the appropriate response. Friends, it's usually the appropriate response for us too. And then they respond open-handedly. Friends, in Jesus, God has given us his greatest gift, his only son. The appropriate response to God's extravagant generosity isn't rocket science. It's open-handed generosity, giving in response to the gift of God. Lastly, this one might be the hardest for us. They respond to God by obeying. Look with me at verse 12. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. The wise men only get 12 verses in the whole Bible. This is the last time the Bible speaks of them. And just as in the beginning of the story, they're once again paying attention to God. This time, rather than responding to the voice of Herod, the influential power player in the public sphere who said, come back to Jerusalem and tell me where they are. Instead of listening to Herod, they listen to God. And they respond obediently. Obedience isn't a popular word these days, is it? It's gone a bit out of fashion in modern parenting how-tos. And in a world and culture that seems to value personal freedom and autonomy above all else, it's awfully countercultural. Oh, but friends, it is good, especially if we're obeying one with real authority like God who loves us. It is good to obey. When it comes to life with God, it is always worth it to listen and obey. And that's what the wise men do. They listen and they obey and they return to home by a different way because, of course, they returned by a different way. Encounters with Jesus change everything. Can't continue in the same path once you've met Jesus. And they've met Jesus. My mother is a public school teacher. She teaches fifth grade, and she starts each day with her students with a quote. Her students will read the quote, and then they'll write a response to it together, and then they'll talk about it. It's a great way to start the day. She was telling me recently about a quote from Mr. Rogers that they started the day with that proved to be quite moving for her, and I thought it fit the story of the wise men perfectly. Let's be real. When is Mr. Rogers a bad idea? Mr. Rogers once said, I recently learned that in an average lifetime, a person walks about 65,000 miles. That's two and a half times around the world. He went on to say, I wonder where your next steps will take you. I wonder how you'll use the rest of the miles you're given. Friends, we all walk. Apparently, somewhere around 65,000 miles. The question is, where will you walk 
And perhaps even more than that, how will you walk? God is on the move. He's always on the move. Will will your response to him in 2023 be marked by fear or passivity or self-interest like Herod? Or will your response to him more closely mimic the posture of the wise men who above all else sought Jesus and did so in a way that was attentive and intentional, persistent and joyful, that was marked by worship and open-handedness and obedience. I wonder where your next steps will take you. I wonder how you'll use the miles you're given, and they are a gift this year. Will you stand and pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for your scriptures and the ways that they still speak to us today. And I pray, God, that you would help us. Your spirit would empower us to respond to you well this year. You would form us. You would change us. God, that you would convict us. We might seek you faithfully and fruitfully. And that seeking you, we might find you. And that finding you, we might love you and be changed by you. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.